Let's get into the Word of God. and We are going to be in Psalm 1. So you can turn to Psalm, the first Psalm. This past Wednesday night, we, we were uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and the title of that message was Not Isolated, But Separated. Not isolated, but separated. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Moses is in the process of preparing the nation of Israel to go into the promised land, and that's the land that they have to conquer. They have to go in, and God has already told them that He has conquered it for them. They have to go in and, and possess it, uh, and that they are going to have to be very careful when they go into that land because there are pagan religions there. There, there are pagan people who will lead them astray, and they are told to be separate from that. And we as Christians need to remember what Hebrews 7 uh, verse 26 says about Jesus, that He is our high priest and he is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. We are to be like Jesus, and Jesus was known to be friends of publicans and sinners. So are we to be friends with publicans and sinners? We can be, but we do, do not... Uh, give a blessing on what kind of sins are in their life, and we would never participate in any of those things. We are to be separate from sinners, but, but we've got to be right in, in with them where we go to school, where we go to work. All the th we're, we're around all kinds of people, and we don't really consider ourselves any better, but we are in a much better place place. We are on the road to a wonderful place for eternity. And we want to help others understand they can get on that road too. They can be going to heaven with us. But we are to realize that there is separation between the godly and the ungodly. And Psalm 1 tells us all about that. There is to be the saint and the sinner. That's what you'll see here. The saint and the sinner. That would be a good title for today's message. The saint and the sinner. Now notice, blessed is the man. Now what I found out is this word blessed, I was told, that it is plural. It's many, it's not just happy, but it's happy, happy, happy. It's multiple happies. So blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So to outline that, you have, uh, this, this is in verse 1, you see 
you see the godly man right there in verse 1. Now, his path, notice it says, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So that's his walk. So his path is he is to be separated from the world. And then you have his, uh, his pleasure. Now that's in verse 2. Hold on. Okay, so he, he does not listen to the ungodly man. He does not linger with the sinful man. And he does not laugh at the scornful man. Do you see those three things in verse 1? So notice, he does not do these things. All right, so, so are we focusing on the negative? Now, you've heard all about the, the power of positive thinking. Well, what about the power of negative thinking? Is there power in that? Now, you, you might have counselors or psychologists, or you, you may have life coach who will tell you that you need to be uh, thinking about the positive, the power of positive thinking. Well, here it's talking, it starts out with the negative. So we need to also realize that there's power in negative thinking as well. Notice the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt, you know, all, all the thou, thou shalt not. Okay? Now, Jesus brought us something better in the future. You know, he, he brought us love your neighbor as yourself. That's positive. And it pretty much takes care of all those negative things in the Ten Commandments, those, those last, the last ones. That deals with mankind. Now, the first four commandments deal with us and our relationship with God. Notice it's vertical. We down here relating to our Father in heaven, you know, to you know, to have no other gods, don't make any graven images, uh, do not use the Lord's name in vain, and remember the Sabbath day. All those things line are, are, are vertical us to God, and then it gets to honor your father and mother, starts to go horizontal. Things on this earth, and all the thou shalt nots. Think about them. Think about all the thou shalt not. That's to all of the people that are around us here on this earth on a horizontal. And it's making a cross. Making a cross. I was talking to my son. We were talking, going over that, and, and he, he saw all of those sins. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not, was it steal? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. All those sins on the cross and Joseph was talking about uh, that cross being on, on Jesus' back, and it just brought tears to his eyes. So think about, think about the, all those sins on that cross, that, what that cross represented in Jesus carrying that cross to his crucifixion. All right, so think about the things that you are not supposed to do. A person who's on the right path, think about the places you should not go the books you should not read, the movies you should not watch, and the company that you should not keep. All of those do-nots. Don't do these things. So our, our path... It, uh, also notice in verse 1, 
Uh, blessed is, we're in uh, Psalm uh, 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So if you were walking with the, in the counsel of the ungodly, notice how you're walking. And then, if you're doing that, nor standeth in the way of sinners, now you've come to a stop, you're standing, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, now, you've, now you're sitting. You see how it's like backsliding? Verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. So, what is, what is this, the pleasure of this godly man? It says that he, he, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, the law, the way it's talking right here, that could just be the Word. The Word of God, your Bible. The, the book of, uh, the first five books of Moses, that's the law. But we can, we can think of the Word of God as the law right here. We need to love the Word of God. That should be our delight. We should love getting into it because it's going to help us in not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. It's going to help us to not stand in the way of the sinners. It'll help us to not sit at the seat of the scornful. The Word of God needs to capture your full affection and your full attention. Verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, there's a whole lot in that one verse right there, verse 3. So far, in these first three verses, verse 1, we're separated from the world. In verse 2, we're satisfied with the Word. And in verse 3, we are situated by the waters. And what happens when we are planted? Notice that we shall be, when, we, when our delight is the law of God or the word of God, and we meditate, meditate on it day and night, we shall be like a tree. What's, think about a tree. The prominence of a tree. It's sturdy. It's not like uh, the hay that gets cut, cut down two, three times a year. A tree is there. I mean, it is solid. It's meant to be there. There, there is a prominence about a tree. So that's one thing that we should be. We should be very prominent. The permanence, it's planted. You know, you can go to the nursery and there's all kinds of trees in pots. They're not planted yet. They're, they can be moved anywhere. But when you get a hold of it and you bring it home and you dig a hole and you plant it and the roots start to go deep. Because, and, and that's this permanent place. We're to be that way. We're supposed to have a, a permanence about us. Where are we planted? What's our position? Where, where did we get planted? By the, by the river of water. That's three things. Our position. The fourth thing that you can see in this is that bringeth forth fruit. So we are to be productive. What's the next thing it says about us? In his season. So we're bringing forth fruit in its season. So that would be, we do things in order, we do things 
and we might not see the fruit of it, but in this due season, you don't go out into the garden and plant all the seeds, cover it up, and the next day run out there with a basket expecting to pick. Right? So you have to do the, you have to do the work, you have to throw the seed out, and then in its season, when the harvest comes, that's when you go out and start harvesting. So that's something else to think about. Next thing, the sixth thing in this one verse, his leaf also shall not wither. I wrote down perpetuity. That's a fancy word. I had to write down the definition. And then they correct me if I'm saying it wrong. Perpetuity, perpetuity. It's endless duration and continuance to eternity. See, all these words are P's. So you have to find a word that starts with P. So the first one we talked about, a tree, that's the prominence, and then permanence, and then position, and then productivity, and now, uh, then we had propriety. And propriety, not, if you ever look at a legal document, proprietary is the person who owns the property. That's, that's that person. So propriety is exclusive right of possession or ownership. All these are benefits from being in the Word and being that tree planted by the waters. You know, when drought comes and all the other trees are losing its leaves, if you're planted by the waters, the drought doesn't affect you. And that's where we need to be. We need to be planted by the waters so that we will continue to do what we're supposed to do even when bad times come. So the leaf will not wither. And then the last one, it says, He doeth, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Another P. Notice, notice in there, uh, tree planted, prosper, and that's seven things. Seven different things that you can pick out. Seven, there you go. Seven things that you can pick out in that one verse when we are situated by the waters. Also notice that three, notice it's three verses. Three is a very important number in Scripture, right? Very important number. I'm going to read something out of this little book here. It says, uh, triune being. All of creation, all creation bears the stamp of its creator. Both the physical and metaphysical world demonstrate an inherent design and therefore reveal a common designer. The similarity of design suggests a purpose and conforms and, and confirms that nothing came about arbitrarily. The nature of God is the pattern for all that is created, material and non-material alike. The Bible represents the one God as a triune being. This is a strange concept that one is three and three are one until we see this very enigma represented in creation, which creation, as we have said, reflects the nature of the Creator. Creation is so thoroughly stamped within God's triune likeness that the Apostle Paul was able to tell us that the Godhead is clearly visible through natural creation. We see that in Romans 1, right? Listen to this. This is really, this is really cool. The atom, not atom, 
but atom, A-T-O-M, the atom, once thought to be the smallest part of any substance. Now we know it's three parts, protons, neutrons, and electrons. But now it is known that the protons and neutrons at the center of the atom are composed of three quarks each. I have no idea what that means. And according to the most current model, scientists are puzzled as to why there are just three generations of leptons and quarks, no more or less. See, you know, at one point, nobody even knew what an atom was, right? And then you finally figure it out. Somebody way smarter than me figures out there's one, and then they think that's the smallest thing ever. And then as time goes on, you realize there's three things that make up that. You know, we have a triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And people say, well, that's, you know, three, uh, one plus one plus one uh, equals three. So you have three guys. It's like, no, we have one times one times one equals one. So it works out mathematically as well. Okay, here's some other cool stuff. Time is threefold, past, present, and future. Our world has three kingdoms, animal, vegetable, and mineral. Life on planet uh, Earth is divided into three main branches, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce those things. Bacteria is one of them. I know that one. All right, the sun, the symbol of God, emits alpha, beta, and gamma rays, there are three basic elements in soil causing a plant to grow, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash. There are three primary colors, red, yellow, and blue, that make all the other colors. The, us, humans, we have a body, soul, and spirit. If, if you take any one of those away, you cease to exist as a human. If any one of those gets eliminated, you know the example I always use about the Trinity, which it's, you know it's pitiful to even try to explain what the Trinity is. It's, and, and I have to ask for forgiveness when I, do, when I try to do it, but I'll, many of you have already heard me say this many times, but take an object. There's three dimensions to this book, three dimensions. There's a depth and a, and a width and a length. And a lot of people... They're good with uh, God the Father. They're good with the Holy Spirit. But they have an issue with Jesus. You'll, you'll notice that as you go through life. You'll notice a lot of people have this issue with Jesus. Yes, he was a really good guy. He was a great teacher. He, all these great things about him. But they won't, they won't bow to him. They won't, they won't worship him. You've got a lot of denominations that are like that. Uh, if you have Jehovah Witness come to your house, ask them if they worship Jesus. And have, make sure they answer you. Do you worship Jesus? They'll have, you'll see them turn white. You'll see them start to sweat. Do you worship Jesus? So I like length and I like width, but I got, I got a problem with depth. I just don't like depth. So I start to diminish depth. And I keep diminishing it, and I get it all the way down to paper thin, and finally I get rid of it completely. I did nothing to width and length. All I did was take the depth completely away, and it all vanished. So if you take Jesus out of the Trinity, you have no God at all. 
no matter how much you talk about God, no matter how much you talk about the Holy Spirit, if you eliminate Jesus from the Trinity, you have no God at all. That's not in this book. I'm just, yeah. All right, I'm going to go back to this some pretty cool stuff in here. Talked about the, uh, you, know, our, our, you know, we have a body, soul, and spirit. The body consists of flesh, bone, and blood. That's the body part. Um, the flesh has three layers of skin, the epidermis, the dermis, and the sub-something else. So you got first, second, and third degree burns, right, if you get burned. The, bl the blood has uh, platelets, red cells, and white cells. So you break down the body, flesh, and, and blood. You, can, you keep breaking it down, and you keep thinking you're getting to the, to the root of it all, and you find out there's three. It's three, 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 over and over again. Uh, your soul, you have a mind, will, and emotions that make up your soul. In emotions, we have love, hate, or indifference. Human capability is thought, word, and deed. Thought, you think something, then you talk about the plan, and then you carry it through, the deed. Thought, word, and deed. Uh, activity of the mind demands a major premise, a minor premise, and a conclusion. All this reflects the image of God who is revealed to us as a triune, singular being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And remember, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, so that's enough out of this book. So you know, realize how you were made in the image of God? You're made in the image of him. Don't forget that. Okay, now, the second part of the Psalm 1, notice it's six verses. And six is the number of man. The, the, you know, the Antichrist will have 666, all right? The number of man. Notice that we were talking recently about uh, Naaman the leper being told by Elisha to go dip in the River Jordan. And did, it did he tell him to go dip six times? Which, I mean, that's a lot of times to go dip. Why didn't it at least partially cleanse him? Name, remember, that's Second Kings chapter 5, I believe. If you read that story, read the whole thing. It's a wonderful story, one of my favorites. And Elisha didn't even come down to greet the guy. He just sent a messenger and said, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And he was all upset about it. But his servant said, it's not a hard thing to do. Why don't you just go do it? So he did. Reluctantly, he went and he did it. And after the sixth time, he could be looking at himself going, there's no difference. This isn't doing me any good. You know, we need to not be discouraged in our Christian walk. And, we're, you know, you keep doing, keep, keep, keep going. You know, don't, don't do something six times and give up. That seventh time is a charm. Naaman dipped the seventh time he came up out of there, and he was perfectly cleansed. His skin was better than it was. It was like a brand-new baby skin. It was perfect. So six is the number of man, and we need to be like the number seven, the number of our heavenly Father who uh, makes everything perfect. So look at verse four. Now it's changing from blessed is the man, the godly man. Now we're going to talk about the ungodly in these, these uh, verses, verses four, five, and six. Now in verse four, 
it's, uh, this, this person, this ungodly person is driven. Driven. Think about that. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft, shaft that, which is the leftovers of the, the grain of wheat. Just think about a grain of wheat, you know, a, a big stalk of wheat or corn is chopped down, and you bring it in. It's, it could be pretty big, but the only thing that's really good is the ear, what, the, what is produced out of it, right? So you want the corn, the ear corn, or you want the grain of wheat, and the rest of it is going to, as soon as you uproot it, but see, we're trees. We're planted by the water. We don't get uprooted. The fruit comes off of it, but the tree stands. But the wheat, it gets taken up. And it is no longer connected. And it starts to dry out right away. And the wind, it is the shaft, the leftovers, is driven by the wind. And it has no control over where it gets blown to. Verse 5, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, that doesn't, when you read that, you might say, well, they're not going to stand in judgment, really? No, they're not going to be able to stand when they come into judgment. They will fall. They have nothing to stand on. It's all gone. Everything that you build up here in this life, for you to live in this life, if that's all you care about, is getting a good education and making, making a bunch of money and having all the things and become covetousness, you know, the, the last... If that's all you do, and you build up a great life here on this earth, and that's all you have, when you face judgment, you will have nothing to stand on because all that stuff's gone. It's gone. So you, you will not be able to stand in judgment, uh, and then there will be no sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So... In verse 5, you're doomed. In verse 4, you're driven by the wind. You're driven and you have no control over where you're going because you're not rooted by the living waters. And then you're doomed in verse 5. And then in verse 6, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So in verse 6, you're damned. They all had to be D words. He is driven, he is doomed, and he is damned. Verses 4, 5, and 6. So, the song that we sang, the first hymn today, was Without Him. Well, that's kind of negative. Remember how I started this, the positive, the power of negative thinking. The power of negative thinking. Well, that's different than the worldly version of the power of positive thinking. So we know that in the world, it's great to have the, the, the po positive thinking, but this hymn was very negative, and we opened it up. I had no idea what we were doing today, and I opened it up. I started singing along. I started looking at the words, and it, said, it started talking about, without him, I would be drifting, and I started thinking about the message. I'm like, this is perfect. This, song, this hymn is perfect. Drifting, I, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Now, if you are driven by the wind, if you are a ship, now, you, your life coach might tell you that you are the master of your own soul. He's lying to you. He might tell you you are the captain of the ship of your destiny. Without God and being planted by the river, 
having that life-giving Word of God coming into you, if you, your ship that you're, sail, that you're the captain of, it is without power, and it is being pushed by the storm, and you're headed right toward the jagged rocks, and you are going to self-destruct and sink. And then the hymn matched that. The hymn is talking about how you, without God, you are like a ship without a sail, and it, the wind's going to take you to a bad place. It's always going to take you where you don't want to go. And if you don't have God in your life, and you don't have the Word of God, remember when Jesus, had, 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 he, he, he was resurrected from the dead, and there was these two disciples that were on that road, heading to another place. They had left Jerusalem. That was the road to Emmaus. And it says that Jesus started to explain to them, and to, let me read it, Bible number two, Bible number one, Bible number two. It says, uh, this is in 24, it says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So, in the law, Moses, and all the prophets, you will see over and over and over again where it's talking about Jesus way back then. And Jesus himself is expounding on all the law and the prophets to these two disciples. And then, when they get back, they, they, when, when they realize, at the end of that little trip, and Jesus goes into the house with them, and he eats with them, and then he, they, their eyes are open when he held up the bread, I think he held the bread up or something. He went to bless it, and then all of a sudden their eyes were open, and then they go. They end up running all the way back to where they had come from to tell everybody that they had seen Jesus. And then Jesus just shows up, and it says, he says, uh, talking about all the time that he spoke while I was still with you, all the things that must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So he adds the Psalms when he, when he sees them the second time. So we have all of that in our Bible. We have the law, we have the prophets, we have the Psalms, and we're actually um, reading Psalm 1 today. So it's important to Jesus that you know all of this because you will see him in all of that. If you look, if you pray before you read, you ask the Holy Spirit to show you what's going on, in all of the Bible, you will see Jesus in all parts of the Old Testament, and then, of course, you see him in the New. You know, in, in, uh, in Genesis alone, so many places where you see Jesus in Genesis, starting with the third chapter. What is, what is your favorite verse? 315, where the, the, the hill would crush the head of the serpent, the woman, all right, that, that's, a, that's a prophecy. But then you can see in 20, I believe it's 24, where Abraham sends the servant to find a bride for the son. So Abraham, the father figure, think about father in heaven, sends the servant, which is not even named, which we pretty much know who his servant was, but he's not even named in the story. The Holy Spirit is sent out to find you, the bride, and the, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you, tells you all about it. Remember, the Word enlightens you. The Holy Spirit convicts you, 
And then you are asked, would you like to come and be the bride of Christ? And what did, was it Rebecca? What did she say? I will. Never seen Isaac. Just was told about him. You may not have seen Jesus, right? No one here has actually seen Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is coming. You've been in, you're, you're being enlightened by the Word of God. And you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. It's up to you to act in faith and come to the Son of God. Now, Psalm sin, seems to end on a negative note. It starts really, really good, blessed, happy, 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 is the man that walketh, and then it gets negative as far as you don't do, all the things you don't do. And then it talks about the, the ungodly at the end of it. It seems to end on a bad note. It's just a warning but look at, look at Psalm 2. Remember, we've been talking about the law. Now, this is law or word. I, I don't, law has a very negative uh, thought when you think of law because we're not saved by the law. But think about it as the word of God. And remember, Jesus is all through it, all through the word of God. Psalm 2 is, is uh, think about the prophets in Psalm 2. So you have the Word in Psalm 1. The Word. We delight in the Word of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord. The testimonies of the Lord. All those words that you could interchange with that. And, and in His Word, we meditate day and light, night. Now in Psalm 2, it says, it's this prophecy. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill in Zion. Now notice, this is starting out really bad. The heathen rage. That's what was going on. And then Jesus was sent down to the earth. He came unto his own, and then his own received him not. So God has sent the king to, upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. This is Psalm 2. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. You know, Jesus, that's what Jesus wanted. That's why he came. He, he wanted to, to be there and to save those who were lost. Nine, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, and thou, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son the Son of God, kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. 
Blessed are they, blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Now, the word trust, we actually, that was mentioned in Sunday school this morning. But the word trust would be more like the word faith that we would use today. So, that's 12. My little note, I got a Schofield, it says... uh, uh, trust is the, is the characteristic Old Testament word for the New Testament, faith and believe. And, you know, to take refuge, to lean on, is what we do for the Son of God. We, that's, that's how we look to Him. We, we have faith in Him, we trust in Him, and we obey this Word of God. And... Uh, it's all been done. It's all been pre-planned, and we're just part of this great story if we uh, are obedient to the Word of God. So I hope that you got something out of Psalm 1 and then the prophecy of Psalm 2, but the main focus was, was the difference between the saint and the sinner, the godly and the ungodly, and how we are to be separated from the ungodly, but not isolated. To be isolated, you would never do any earthly good. We are here to do the things that Jesus did. We are to carry on what Jesus started. And was it last week I was talking about Elijah and Elisha? Watch and pray, watch and pray. We have to keep our eyes, just like Elisha was told, to keep your eyes on me. That's what Elijah told him. Keep your eyes on me. When you see me go out of here and that chariot of fire, when you see me leave, then you will get that double portion of the spirit that he asked for. And Elijah did a lot of great things, but Elisha will do much greater things. The Bible actually says that we, if we see Jesus, if we keep our eye on him, then we will do even greater works. He was here for... His ministry started up, and he ministered for about three and a half years, and we must have our eyes on him, but he had to leave. Notice that spirit, that double portion of spirit came back on Elisha. What did Jesus tell us? When he had to leave so that he could send the spirit, and it's come back for us. Have you asked? Have you prayed? for a double portion of the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us would be keeping our eyes on Jesus and that we would, we would remember that the Holy Spirit is coming back on us. It's available to each and every one of us. And Father, our prayer would be that we would get a just a double portion of your spirit on us. Father, we're asking for it. Father, we know that you have made a way for each and every one of us to experience salvation through everything that Jesus, Jesus has done for us. Father, we, we know that we are in need of that salvation that the blood of Jesus provided on the cross. Father, that's the only thing that washes us clean from all of our sin, that it's gone. 
And Father, we need to accept the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, and Father, that we need to walk after the Spirit and carry on the things that Jesus taught us to do. Lord, help us in that. Thank you, Father, for always being there, always listening to our concerns and our thankful, you know, everything that we want to pray about, you're always there, you're, you're ready to listen, we're so thankful for it. And Father, we love you, we want to honor you, we want to represent you well when we go out into this world. And Father, we want to be different. Father, we want to be different so that those who don't know you would be attracted to whatever we have that just, just being salt and light here on this planet, Father, that we will be different. Father, we, we don't want to be afraid and be isolated, but we want just to be separate from sinners. Father, we want to be different, and we want to be salt and light. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.